Standing in for uh, Dan this week again. This is episode 31, and uh, we got a partial crowd tonight. Uh, unfortunately, Scott's having some technical difficulties, but uh, hopefully, we'll be able to get him in in just a little bit here. But uh, I do have a couple of clowns with me. Uh, Devin is here with us. What a clown! Really? That's all you got? That's it? <laughs> I, I just think of the red nose. Ew! You know? And yeah. uh, we've got uh, Rob with us as well. Yes, yeah, Signor Berto. And uh, do we have anybody yes. else? Anyone? Is is mm-hmm. is there? What's what's that? I here? might be here. Oh, oh hey. it's a Dan. Hey, uh, uh-huh. what's going on? What's okay. <laughs> I'm here for a minute, <laughs> just to kind of give everybody an update. That's really all I'm here for. <laughs> yeah, buddy. I'm glad to hear your voice, Dan. It's good to hear you back on the show, even if just for a little yeah, bit. That's yeah, that's Yeah, it's been a long. Month and a half. That's for damn sure. Yeah, no shit. But here we are. And uh, so far we made it through and uh, uh, there for a while we weren't so sure that was going to be the case. <laughs> so Right. Most of the parts are working. Yeah. yeah. But a little few complications coming out of it. Still dealing with some issues, but uh, it's, it's funny. Uh, one of our listeners... Well, it's not funny, but uh, one of our listeners uh, from Spain, who was pretty active on the version two, you know, con- you know, interacting with us. Lee is his name. I was checking the many emails, which, by the way, thank you to everybody that has sent emails. I know I've not responded to um, everybody. Um, I just don't. I just can't. I mean, it's been overwhelming, to be honest. So, thank you. For- for those thoughts, but back to, to Lee, he, he called or he sent me an email and, uh, he said, dude, you're, you're just a copycat. I'm like, what are you talking about? He said, I had the same surgery like six months ago or whatever it was. And so (laughs) he and I were kind of comparing notes and today I actually had a email with him and, and, um, apparently his surgery went a hell of a lot smoother than mine did. Not that my surgery didn't go smoothly. I mean, uh, just the after after effects of uh, the consequences of having your heart pulled out of your chest and put on a table beside you and stopped for an hour and a half and and yeah. um, you know have them working on your heart. It's pretty traumatic. <laughs> I, I would say, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, uh, right. He, he didn't have some of the issues that I'm dealing with. And again, you know, it kind of boils down to, uh, you know, a good 40 years of good, healthy living. Right. Um, unfortunately, you know, I'd love to go back and 
time and kick my younger self's ass and say, dude, you got to, you got to take shit a little more seriously and not, you know, I mean, life in general, you know, it's, uh, you're young and you're, you don't think about what happens when you're 51 years old and laying on a table with your heart cut out of your chest. But yeah, yeah. You know, it's just kind of a surreal thing because now things changes. Things change drastically and life becomes very simple, very quick. Yeah. On the 17th of February, at about 4.30 in the morning, I was, Elaine was there with me and, and uh, life gets very simple. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, <laughs> didn't expect this, but um, here we are. Anyway, I uh, just thank you to uh, everybody. Yeah, man. Well, we're uh, we're all real grateful you're back here with us uh, tonight and in the future, and that uh, that you made it through, man. Although I got to say, we definitely didn't doubt that you would, but uh, we were definitely worried yeah. about you there for a minute. Well, I don't uh, I don't know what my um, uh, my involvement. I mean, I, I definitely am here, right? I, I my stamina is pretty um, pretty limited. I was able to. I'm able to work from home for limited amounts of time at this point. But um, I guess my, you know, the biggest issue that I'm dealing with now is is um, I get this uh, reoccurring fluid on my left lung and I got pulmonary embolisms in my right lung, all s secondary to surgery and, and other complications. But um, the stamina is just not there. Um, <clears throat> I mean, just being able to mentally focus for extended periods of time and, and uh, just the simple fact that my heart is so well, essentially deconditioned at this point and uh, trying to recover from, from the surgery. So it's, you know, you just, life gets, uh, gets a little more plain and, you know, the, the objectives become a little more clear. What's important becomes a little more clear. And, um, uh, you know, this show, it's been something once again, looking back, I kind of feel like listeners you know, have been around for the last 10 years, have heard and understand my story uh, pre previous uh, to, you know, what this hobby, this not, you know, back then it wasn't necessarily this show, but it was <clears throat> this hobby and eventually what this show meant to me, you know, doing RCHN. You know, it, it, it's weird how everything kind of comes back around because this is one thing that looking forward to getting back on the show is just it's just been uh it's like a milestone for yeah. me you know, it's just something i'm really looking forward to doing um i don't know what my i'm gonna try like hell to to really involve myself and and fly and and i just don't know what that looks like this year i don't know how deconditioned and how you know how much this is going to affect my ability to to spend a lot of time flying or working on helis, and I'm um, 
it's there. The desire's there. You guys gotta believe me there, but um it's just I'm I'm very limited, right? And we'll see. I don't know, you know, fun flies this year, probably probably not. Just the the hustle and bustle of going to a fun fly and dealing with what we, you know, typically deal with just to right now to me seems overwhelming. We'll see what it looks like moving forward, but I'm just not seeing it uh, at this point. But um Yeah. No, I think um all in all, things are, are doing better now than um, the last couple of weeks. I've had to go back into the hospital a few times um, due to uh, reaccumulation of fluids uh, in, my, in and around my lungs. And um, that's been hell. I've spent 20, I want to say 23 or 24 days in the hospital since, since the 8th of February. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that sucks. Yeah, Nothing that, fun about that. No, but, I bet yeah. that sucked. Yeah. Um, so you know, I'm just excited. This uh, yesterday actually was Sunday. Was kind of a uh, Elaine and I were kind of kidding around with each other because it seems like every Sunday was the night I'd end up back in the hospital for whatever reason. We'd end up back in the emergency room mainly because I couldn't breathe or there was some other issue happening, but. So about six o'clock, I was feeling pretty good. She looked at me, she said, so we're going to try to stay home tonight, right? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're going to, we're going to give it our, our all. And she said, because I would like to take my med, you know, cause she's still, she's still recovering from her knee surgery. Right. So it's been right. kind of a d double duty for her and she still needs to take pain medication on occasion. And she said, it really sucks. To have to drive to the ER after I've taken my medication, right? You're right, right. So we, we tried to avoid that, but um, no, it's been, it's been an interesting, it's been an interesting few weeks, months, month and a half now, and I'm looking forward to things kind of getting back to a little bit of normalcy. And um, again, the, the amount of messages and the emails that I received at at all my email addresses that people still use, the uh, Dan K. Reed and and uh, RCHN email address and and the messages on on Facebook. Um, I got you know those those of you who who I know personally and have known for years. I'm pretty sure I've gotten back to most all all of you guys. And um, if I haven't, I, I apologize. But uh, as things progress and I start to feel like um, more like myself, and I'll probably start <clears throat> responding to some of those messages, but they've all been read and they're, they're all appreciated. So thank you. And uh, I think I'm done bringing down the show this week, guys. That's pretty much all I have to say. <laughs> Did you, but, uh, it's good to be here. And um, I don't want to have to go back to the hospital. So let's, uh, <laughs> yeah. let's keep going down that track. Yeah, yeah dude, take it <laughs> easy, man. Slow, slow as she goes, Dan. I tell you what, though, I gotta, I gotta say, from, um, because okay, I'm on the show with you, right, Dan? But I'm also a fan of you, and just what you did with the show before I even knew who you were and all that stuff. And after I left the show last time, and just from myself and from all the listeners, just to be able to hear your voice and hear that you're here and you're doing uh, well, considering you know you're doing better than you were before, uh, that's huge. You know, uh, you know, looking at it from the outside, Dan. 
you know, you, you've admittedly beat the shit out of your machine, your body. Right. And, but I don't know, man, you're, you, and it, it seems Elaine as well are two resilient ass motherfuckers. <laughs> and, you know, they say this, you know, you know, it's it kind of sounds cliche, right? It's that, it's the uphill battle, the whole proverbial uphill battle, right, Dan? But you get, if you think about it, you know, just you take it slow because if you think about it, every, every slow step that you take, you're now slightly higher. You're better, faster, stronger for it. You know what I'm saying? So if it takes you, you know, a year, two years, whatever, man, you know, you do your, you, do you, you do your thing. And the fact that you were able to come on the show today is fucking great, dude. I'm, I'm so thankful to hear from you, dude. I love you, and I'm so glad you're uh still you still exist i'm so glad science was able to like as you said take your heart out of your body set it on the table do some shit and then put it all back in there and now you're talking to us still so yeah it's pretty amazing yeah dude i'm grateful for that and i'm grateful for you too dan and you know i just i just hope you continue to just get better yeah well i appreciate that and you know that's you know i feel the same way and i'm very uh, fortunate and you know i did you know i kid but you know, if I could go back and talk to my younger self, it, things would hopefully be a little bit different, but that, can't do that. So now it's uh, about what's from here moving forward. And there is one little, and, and often I find myself just sitting here thinking about it. And those of you who have been through this surgery probably have done something very similar. You know, there's a moment when they have made the repairs to your heart and they're that team of doctors and nurses are standing around your body uh looking into your chest and they're kind of looking around saying okay so let's see if we can get this heart beating again because how there's no guarantee right right i mean think about that there's got to be a moment of uncertainty for everybody that goes through this procedure where they're like, Jesus, is this thing actually even going to start back up again? I mean, I imagine they've got it down to, oh, obviously, they've got it down to a science. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's just this, it's a weird thought, one of many weird <clears throat> thoughts that have creeped into my head over the last couple months. But it's just, uh, I don't know, strange. Yeah, Think that about. is strange. You've yeah, been okay. to a place that not many have gone to and have returned. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And it was weird because it's just like anybody, everybody's been through surgery. It's like you just, like you're sitting in a bed and uh, they come in and like, all right, we're going to start putting some medicine on board. And next thing you know, you, it's like you've just closed your eyes and opened them and you're on the other side. (laughs) You're begging for morphine because you can't hardly stand the pain, making silly jokes because you're coming out of anesthesia. (laughs) You don't know what you're saying. (laughs) Making an ass out of yourself. Thank God she didn't record any of that, but I'm sure somebody, my brother probably asked her to record it. Sure of it, but <laughs> we're gonna find it, put it on locals, put it on, oh, put yeah. it on locals. It's gonna, it's gonna yeah. open the show this week. <laughs> <laughs> Man, recovery nurses are saints. So. Oh yeah, no kidding. The, the shit they could hold over people. I guess one thing I did was, I was at. I guess I came out r- relatively quick, and they were kind of surprised by that, and. um so this, the surgeon or one of the surgeons came in and Elaine was there. It's, it's after they took the intubation out. And I guess one of the surgeons or one of the doc- doctors walked in and I, 
I don't remember this at all, but I guess I looked at him and I pointed at him and I said, you did this to me. <laughs> kind of got angry with him. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> anyway, guys, I don't want to keep you uh, going too long. And I'm really, really, uh, I, you know, as part of that stamina thing, my starting to fade a little bit here. So uh, again, thank you guys for keeping the show going. I had no doubts that you were going <laughs> to get that have that happen and uh i've been keeping up and you guys are doing a fantastic job and um thanks again to the listeners and everybody else out there who have sent me words of encouragement i appreciate it well thank you dan we appreciate you i uh i love that you came on tonight man and as far as all of it man it's all going to be here for you when you're ready the hobby's not going anywhere your helis aren't going anywhere we're not going anywhere so whenever you're ready uh it's all here for you man yeah, I appreciate that. And I'm, I'm de- you know, like I said, one of my milestones is to get, get back to where I can be on the show and still be able to talk about actually, you know, flying helis and, and working on helis. And I'm, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. A little 200, a few seconds here and there. I just don't have the, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm picking up the wrenches and I'm turning some, some screws and, and uh, trying to get uh, my head wrapped around some of the shit that I haven't been dealing with for a while. But anyway, I'm going to let you guys go. I'm going to head out and go get some rest. <laughs> and um, I will see how next week feels. If I feel like I can, uh, I don't want to continually come in the show and have to leave very quickly. So <clears throat> I'll gauge it week by week and, and, um, and we'll go from there. How's that sound? That sounds awesome. Yeah, buddy. Sounds perfect. All right, guys. Thanks for uh, giving me a little bit of time. I appreciate it, and I'll see you. See you anytime, man. Get some rest. Bye, Dan. Bye, Devin. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I fucking love it. Yeah, all of us do. Dude, that was great to hear back from Dan, dude. Yeah, it's good news. Yeah, that's awesome, man. It's uh, a little bit of a reality check, right? Yeah, Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Life is short. Damn, that didn't hit me until after Dan said goodbye. <laughs> now, now Nick's like, hold on, we need to take like, an intermission because I'm going to go cry for a second. Or Nick, yeah. <laughs> nah, you know, yeah. it just it hits you and you think about it and you're like, he's right. You know, you got to. You're like. Anyway. Yeah, it's kind of hard to think about the whole ordeal, especially knowing that, you know, going into that surgery, you're lying on the table without a beating heart and they're pumping blood through you to keep you alive and stuff. It's, it's messes with your head a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Well, how the hell do you segue away from that? All right. Well, that's a great, no, <laughs> that's great. Let's uh, get into some weeks. <laughs> yeah. So, you did it to me. <laughs> yeah. So I got a great, like uh segue. I was flying. I got to fly this week. I'll go first. Um, and I nearly had a heart attack, crashing my heli, almost crashed my heli into a tree. I uh, was doing a pyro flip kind of slow. And I just got a little dumb thumbs and I just came out of it with no rotation and all roll backwards. And I was like, whoa, and just forward elevator and just did this weird backwards, like half circle up alongside the tree. Uh, scared the shit out of myself and promptly just finished my pack, just hovering around and shit, <laughs> and shit after that, you know. but. I don't know. I had a, a kind of an average week of flying. The middle of the week, I was busy kind of out doing stuff with me and my kids. You know, I had the um, 
this whole their whole week off was their spring break so i took that week off too and we did a little shopping uh down in this town called saint cloud a little south of where we're at and then uh you know i had talked about wanting to go north up to duluth and you guys were joking about oh why would you go further north and i'm like yeah the weather will be fine no <laughs> it wasn't fine uh well it was okay it was it was mediumly okay there was a severe winter storm warning the day before lots of snow and wind blowing wind and ice and stuff but by the time we went they had the roads all cleared up for the most part but um there was like so from where i was where i live up to this uh, other city duluth minnesota there's a lot of like farm kind of back roads there so there's a lot of wind drifting and stuff so you know we would we would be driving and then all of a sudden it would just be icy and snowy and we'd have to slow way down and stuff we got up there and we made the best of it you know we had a good time uh just kind of exploring the city um we there was this another uh kind of a vacation fail uh our one of our plans was to go up to this mall that was up there um but wouldn't you know it they uh the roof collapsed in the mall because of a bunch of snow on the roof so we couldn't go to the mall no. either yeah, i know right <laughs> but uh it it was it was still kind of cool because we went up there and you kind of you know how when you drive past a car accident you kind of have to rubberneck that thing right so we were up that way going to a couple of other stores uh, my daughter's into doing the thrift store circuit so we were trying to explore and find local thrift shops and shit so it took us up by where that mall was and we drove through the parking lot and we could see all the cranes and shit out there trying to fix and get the snow off the roof and fix the roof and whatever but so all my best laid plans just kind of fell apart, but we still made the best of it, you know, got out of the house and uh, cured a little bit of the cabin fever. I mean, cabin fever hits hard as fuck up here. I don't know about you guys, but around here it's heavy. So even just a, a day, you know, we stayed the night at this hotel uh, that's off this marina. And um, of course the marina's frozen solid because it's the middle of winter, but they had this really big uh, Coast Guard skipper that was out there kind of moored in ice. Uh, next to the Coast Guard facility, so it was kind of cool. We could kind of oogle at that and and whatever. But uh, the the big part of Lake Superior was wide open, and uh, you know, for those that don't know, you know, they're all attached, right? So there's a lot of shipping that happens. Uh, they come they come all the way into Lake Superior, and they bring uh, like raw materials, uh, fossil fuels, all kinds of stuff, right? Um, so sometimes we get those really, really, really big boats, like uh, the fifteen hundred, seventeen hundred foot long boats and stuff, and, and they come up. And so the whole area has got lift bridges and all this other stuff. So it's it's kind of a fun place to explore. So um, didn't get to fly in the middle of the week, but I flew a little bit at the beginning and here at the little bit at, at the end of the week, and just got all the, got all the birds in the air and ran them through their paces. Um, my X five is getting kind of uh, wobbly around the head, and I uh, was kind of taking a look, and I haven't done really uh, any post flight checks. Or like mechanical, like you know how you kind of re up your your bird after some amount of flights or whatever, just to check things. So I'm checking, and the dampers are super bad. And um, I got another set, so I'll get off my ass one of these days and replace the dampers in that. It'll be a little bit tighter, but right now all the stops are super wobbly on it. And uh, but uh, it's still fun to fly, you know. But uh, uh, I don't know. That was my week. Uh, some mediumly fun vacation time, lots of good time off work, which is good. Nice little brain reset there, you know. And But uh, I work overnights, right? So I spent the last two days trying to reset my biological clock, sleeping most of the day. So I think I'm good. You know, after the show, I got to work, you know. But uh, uh, here, wish me luck not falling asleep at lunch. So <laughs> good luck. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, all right. I'm going to go ahead and go next, Evan, unless you're, you're dying to go. 
I I'm not dying for anything. I'm really di- I'm dying to ask Rob one question though, or tell or make a statement. If you are going to decide to fly like that, you need to take video and send it to us so we could put it all over Facebook. Yeah, like what? <laughs> hey, watch this. Oh. And then there's a tree. Oh, oh. there's this. <laughs> yeah, it should. Dude, I have this hat that I drilled a hole in the bill and I screwed on a camera mount and I put my GoPro on there all the time. I should just get back in the habit of just doing that all the time. Yeah, I would really like I would really like to see the video and just hear Rob, oh shit, oh shit, oh fuck, fuck. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's totally. And I got my bitchy neighbor and I wasn't flying out of my backyard. So I could just picture it now, you know, if I actually did crash the thing and make a bunch of ruckus, he'd be like, God damn it, I told you. Not to... But, uh, no. Okay, so duly noted. I'll have to try and start getting footage, <laughs> I need to. I, I, some footage would be great. It would, we could yeah. make a, a RCHN crash reel. <laughs> oh, nice. All right. So I've been home this whole week, which has been awesome, considering I spent nice. most of the year out of town. So I'm now in week two of two weeks in a row at home. Uh, so it's been good to just reconnect with family and get back into what feels like a normal people routine uh, for a minute. So that's always good for me to sort of get regrounded at home. Um, I did get a chance to go fly uh, last week. So on, I think it was Tuesday, I forget, but a few of us went out to Atlanta RC and this is kind of the first time we'd all been out there since that stupid festival had happened. So we all went out as a group as their sort of safety in numbers because this was kind of the test visit to see what would happen if we made a whole bunch of noise would anyone come and bother us and i'm happy to say no one did come to bother us which is great but we sort of did a mix of flying and cleanup uh so there's still quite a bit of mess on the field uh the the county has removed some but that sort of band stage that they hastily built as part of their hess festival still existed and it's in the landing path of uh the airplanes and uh Thomas was there with us and he was like, well, how about I tie my pickup truck to the roof and we just tear it off? And we were like, fuck yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So we would like get a couple of flights in and then we'd go like we'd drive our cars around the field. There were like abandoned tents on the perimeter of the field and we would like take two tents apart and throw it in the back of our car to throw away when we got home or, you know, just pick up trash, throw it in the car, you know, whatever we could do to kind of, you know, reclaim the field. Uh, establish it as ours again and, and start the tidying up efforts so got a bunch of that done we took the whole band stage down and so it felt good to just kind of be at the field with friends have a good day flying uh get a bunch of cleanup work done it was you know i don't know we just it felt like we restored good energy to the field so that was awesome um, yeah good on you brother i got uh, some flights on the logo 700 that's feeling more and more dialed as we go it means i'm destined to crash it again um <laughs> and uh flew the raw 580 in the new scheme a bunch and definitely enjoying that as well i did also while we were there i was talking to the club president who was there with us and as if i don't know where i think i have these extra minutes in my life uh because i i don't but somehow i nominated myself to be the local news sort of liaison for atlanta rc so uh-huh. i created this giant google doc that's like a full documentation of all of our encounter with the protesters, including pictures of the various times they've vandalized our field. And I've been hitting up editors at newspapers and local news organizations and TV stations. And I honestly haven't gotten anywhere with it, but damn, I'm trying because I just want to raise some yeah. awareness that we're stuck in the middle of this mess. And 
I feel like the movement is picking up a bunch of people who think they're an innocent, sweet organization um, and doesn't realize the things that the core of these people who are fundraising are doing. So I'm trying to raise some awareness to that. So I'm trying, but not getting anywhere. I think that's that's a little frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. You have to try, man, for sure. Uh, And then later in the week, I got a very dangerous email from HeliDirect. And I know some of you may joke that if you leave it all turned on, the number of emails and text messages from HeliDirect can be can be a lot for some, and I get that, and that's why there's <laughs> options to turn them all off. But I always leave them all on because I want to know what everyone else's experience is and see what it's like. But I get this email, and it says, we're now stocking scale fuselages for helicopters. And I was like, oh, Ooh. what? <laughs> and I was like, I should take a look. Because, you know, I've, I've always had this idea of, of getting into scale at some point and and it was fun reviewing that huey model recently and putting that thing around the field yeah uh, although well, i had you, to send it back <laughs> um, well you know you already make the scale sounds anyway so you might as well just get a whole well, scale exactly buried. right <laughs> yeah so i'm looking through the fuselages and they have a uh, augusta 109a in coast guard scheme in 550 size and, and yeah. honestly, I've been looking at the Nimbus 550 lately, which is a fantastic flying helicopter. Love that thing. I really enjoy flying it. But I also really enjoy the RAW 580. And lately, like the RAW 580 and I have just been gelling, like, I don't know. I've just been flying it more. Uh, I, th- I think it's also just a little bit easier for me to repair. And I have lots of spares between that and the Puma. Uh, so whatever. So I'm like, well, why don't I take the Nimbus and put it in a scale fuselage? Then I don't have to buy anything except the fuselage, which is not very expensive. These are sort of fun scale fuselages. So they're not Roban level expensive or detailed. Yeah. Uh, still good quality. I'm excited to see it. It should arrive tomorrow. And so I'm, I'm going to go down like a, a fun scale path with this helicopter. So I'm not going to go crazy. You're not going to like see videos of me gluing rivets on the side of the thing and repainting it. <laughs> Or, or going insane, right. but I'm going to put a four-blade rotor head on it, which, <laughs> this is a fun experiment. I actually found a random, no-name, Chinese four-blade head on Amazon.com, of all places, for this thing uh-huh. that fits the main really? shaft of the Nimbus. So I may try and jam that thing on there and see what it was. It was not super expensive, so uh, that'll be an interesting experiment. There's an Align four-blade head, too, that would work, but that one I haven't found in stock anywhere. So whatever, we're going to try this cheap uh, four-blade head. I got some spin blades for it that are at least black and white. But if I do decide to paint those blades, you know, I might go down that road. But whatever. So that's going to be a fun little project. Uh, I have no idea when I aim to complete that by. I still haven't started the raw nitro yet. I just haven't had neat. a minute of time. But yeah, it's just going to be something fun. For sure, dude. That sounds cool as hell. And I love the Coast Guard scheme helicopters. I've seen a bunch of the scale guys of yeah. Fun Flies come out i always make a point to go down and visit those guys because i love looking at their handiwork and uh yeah. i'm always attracted to the coast guard scheme ones i don't know why i think they're just bright and they look good but uh so i'm excited for that that'll be fun so i, I don't know for sure but do the coast guards do the uh thing on the blades where they're like white with the red stripes so that they make the rings when it's flying because i always dug that when you do scale birds that'd be kind of neat on a four blade head with like two little red stripes near the end so that when it's flying you got the rings you can make makes kind of the red rings or whatever it definitely seems to vary a fair amount like you can find a lot of pictures you know and just google image searches um so i may find a scheme that fits best with the sort of black and white pattern that's already on the blade if i can get away with doing you know less or whatever so we'll see but there are definitely some some painted blade schemes for the for that helicopter so and i'm not 
honestly, I could do whatever I want because, like I said, this is fun scale. It just needs to look yeah. standoff scale cool from 20 feet away and look good in the air, and that's all I care about. And it'll be fun to try and learn how to tune it to fly a little more scale, too. So that'll be cool. Yeah, for sure. Uh, then the sounds will match the bird. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> then I'm going to have to buy a little miniature winch so I can, like, lower an action figure down into the water. Dude, yeah. <laughs> Nick's going to be standing there going... Totally. Yeah. He's going to be like, whoa. Like, digging into the ESC software, seeing if I can make it spool up over two minutes. Then I'm going to have to get that little speaker <laughs> kit that like plays the cool turbine sounds while you start the heli up. <laughs> exactly. Although yeah, I dude. could just get like one of those headset microphones and make the noises myself. Exactly. Um, <laughs> uh, what else this week? A couple other little things. So I, I always love when a new helicopter comes out when people make videos at a variety of head speeds. And yeah, it's no secret that low head speeds my jam, but uh jonas wackerhauser forgive me if i pronounced that wrong of omp fame uh as the lead designer on the omp m4 their 380 size helicopter that will be in stores very soon uh released a video of that thing at 1500 to 1800 rpm so this is a 380 at 1500 to 1800 rpm and damn did that thing sound and look good and fly good granted in jonas's hand anything looks and flies good but He's certainly a talented pilot, but damn, I was like, ooh, that looks good. I'm like, I do not need an M4. I don't need another helicopter. I don't need a 380. I don't need an M4. Like, I canceled my Goose Guy order because I realized that I don't need a 380. But I saw that video and I was like, buy now, click buy now. And I was like, no, <laughs> big, like, internal struggle. But I managed to resist. And then that scale yeah. fuselage showed up the next day and I was like, can't resist this. <laughs> click so anyway uh, see what you got to do is you got to set up that scale fuselage on your bird and then set that bird up at like a thousand rpm so it's just like thump, 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 thump. oh yeah that's the plan and honestly that nimbus yeah. is already geared for lower head speeds so it's you know not much more than a thousand well what is it now i think my low rpm on that's probably 15 or 1600 uh and if i yeah. go to a four blade on there then i'm going to dial that even lower and yeah, it'll be awesome yeah. Nick out there with 850 RPM, just whoop, 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 whoop. Oh, that'll be badass. I'm excited. Wouldn't it, though? If it would stay in the air, dude, that would be awesome to fly. <laughs> I don't know anything about four-blade heads, so I'm going to have to figure out that. I'm sure there's some shit with phasing or something I'm going to have to figure out, so uh, I'll get yeah. there uh, in time. No rush. Uh, and then lastly, I, I, I almost flew today. I had a time window to do it, but it was like, 38 degrees and blowing and i was like hell no it's been cold in atlanta man we had a gnarly cold snap it's been funny to watch the guys from atlanta that went down to the amps fun fly in miami where it was i don't know 80 degrees or something i'll come home today where it was 28 degrees with it feels like a 21 this morning so welcome back uh, all of you amps fools to the cold right. but uh that's it that's it for me man uh what about you Devin? what have you been up to i had a uh, not so very busy week RC related, but I got a couple things done. I at least made myself useful and did some handy work. And I got my gasser servos back in my gasser because I had to take servos out of that to put in the heli that I put the V bar Evo in because I um, stupidly kind of made a mistake of not putting programmable servos in that. And I I just know that heli so well. I was like, well, I'm switching servos. So I got that finished. The gasser is flying again. 
um, it's ready for Nick after we tie him to the chair to fly it. <laughs> it will be done. It will be done. For sure. No. Yes. <laughs> no. He's like, ah, uh, no. no. There's just there's just a one simple, all I hear is dead silence and no. 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 <laughs> Not going to do it. Yeah, yeah. No, it's going to happen. Yeah, I'm going to get Rob it. and Dan to help me. <sighs> Maybe You'll Scott be will converted. help you. See, once you start flying that nitro around, you're like, eh, it's not that far. I might as well try. Yeah. No. I no. might as well do it. I might as well it give it a little far. taste. It is far. It's not. No, it's no, like, no, not really. No. Hey, dude, it's like the difference between a woman gently whispering in your ear and a toddler having a tantrum. <laughs> no, see, here's how this works. You're going to fly nitro, and after, like, two between two and six months your hearing loss will have come down just enough where the gasser won't be annoying. And so by the time you get there, you'd be like, oh, fuck, I'll take one of those. Yeah, I want one. That's the thing. The gassers are like at that frequency I can still hear. So all I can hear is... (laughs) (laughs) Tell your kids to scream in your ear a little bit more and that'll (laughs) fix that. Like Kyle Stacy had a video out on his, uh, that Super G raw gasser. And I really enjoy Kyle's flight videos, but I made it through about 10 seconds and I was like, nope, see ya. <laughs> wow, what a hypocrite. No, <laughs> no um, so back to uh, I got the gasser flying and then I, I did a little other thing. Doesn't really involve helicopters. I mean, it's still RC related, but um, it's mm. airplane related. Hmm. I uh I ordered some new things for my jet and yeah, so I got that all installed. So what'd you get? Jets are cool, man. You can tell us. It's all right. So I have um a BAE Hawk, if any of you know yeah. what that airplane is. Yep. And um I ordered all new batteries for it because I was I was having an issue where I was getting about a flight and a half out of out of the turbine battery for the ECU and the turbine and to start it and run it and all that stuff. And it was really yeah. starting to piss me off. Right. Right. <laughs> so, uh, I went out and ordered all new batteries all around for the entire airplane. Nice. So and how many were on there? Like two or three or what? There's four. Oh, okay. Word. That's for all the electronics and shit, right? Yeah. So there's a, a battery for the turbine there's two batteries for electronics and then there's a battery for the retracts yeah word so question sorry and i don't mean to derail the helicopterness of our show but i think jets are pretty neat and you have one so i'm going to ask you so you're talking about like there's a battery for the turbine in my mind i'm like turbines a motor and so is that kind of it just runs like a battery would run on any other just the motors running all the time is it like a big amp draw thing with a so, speed controller and shit or well, kind of in a way, the the turbine has an ECU on it. Okay. And, and the turbine also has an electric starter on it as well. Nice. So that that battery is used to for the electric starter and the spark well, spark plug, glow plug. Yeah. That's in the turbine to start it and it also runs the fuel pump. Got it, got it. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. it start it starts it and then it also is kind of keeping it running the whole time because uh, yeah. it, it's running the fuel pump for the turbine itself. Yeah, yeah. Like a little tiny car. You got all the components that get it going. The, the engine's running. Yes. Keep pumping fuel into it. It just keeps going. Yeah, and it runs some other accessories. Um, 
the speed sensor that's inside the the turbine, a temperature sensor, yeah, and a couple other and um, a throttle per, uh, percentage that it that it can see through the turbine, and other and other doodads like that, just to give you information that you need. <laughs> nice. So it, my turbine, my jet has all new Maniacs batteries in it. Yeah, buddy. So that is officially ready for the season when it starts warming up. Today it was kind of cold. It, it only got to 40 degrees today. And uh, I mean, speaking how Saturday, it was Friday and Saturday, it was like 60 degrees here in New Jersey. Mm, nice. And so you had I a was, cold snap too. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. It was 21 degrees when I woke up this morning uh, at four o'clock. And um, it was cold. I went outside and I almost went, yep, nope, and walked back inside. It was uh, <laughs> going back to sleep. Yeah, yeah. I opened the door. I'm like, hmm, yeah, close the door. <laughs> but, you know, I didn't, didn't get to go out flying this weekend. So that's a, that's a no fly. Oh, no fly. Yeah, that's a, that's no a fly. no fly. Yeah, yeah, unfortunately. The one day it was nice, I was, uh, Sitting at work, loading a truck, loading an eighteen wheeler, and mm, Saturday I um uh I don't even remember what I did. I I think I just that's when I worked, refreshed everything, worked on all my helis, and uh, got everything ready for spring fling that is coming up in April. I think April, yeah. And so they're all refreshed and ready to go. The jet's ready to go for the season as well once it warms up. And, uh, but that's how I spent most of my weekend, just tidying up all my helis, which is insane because I don't do it that often. <laughs> you got to do that sometimes though, right? You got to put in that work. Yeah. Like, like I'm pretty bad. Uh, like I do the dampeners, like whenever I start seeing a head wobble. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, the head's doing the bouncy thing. Yeah. Time to do dampeners. You look over and there's like little plastic bits shredding out in between the spacer and the fucking bushing there. Uh, yeah. Or sometimes I grab the head and the whole head just, you know, wobbles like, you know, an eighth of an inch. And you're like, yeah, yeah. that's fucked. <laughs> I'm close to blade strike. Let's get them out. Yeah. Of yeah. It's time to switch that out. But um, no, it was just a weekend of wrenching and some pretty good weather. So I yeah, cannot we're... complain. Well, now we know what happened to the Glogo Gasser. What? Well, you probably needed to change the dampeners out, and it just boom struck. That, that Glogo Gasser, when that happened, had five flights on it oh, right. since we <laughs> rebuilt it. Well, five Devon flights. That's like 35. Well, it had two, okay, let's make sure it stays in one piece flights, and then three, like, give it hell. And on the third, give it hell, it said, uh, fuck you. I'm all done. Yeah, yeah it said no thank you. Another one bites the dust, you know? So, but yeah, good, very good weekend. Well, that's nice. cool, man. Yeah. I know. All right. Anybody got anything else before we go to the news? News. <laughs> <laughs> Great is the word that comes to mind, but you know it's it's a word. Right. News. 
okay. I just never know how to segue after that. It's just weird. It's like I just accidentally opened the bathroom door on someone. Um, yeah, that's all right. <laughs> News. Here it is. News. All right. So last week, I did my best with y'all's help to fumble our way through Rotor Live news and updates based on photos, social media feeds, poorly recorded videos, and you know we just did our best to kind of come up with what was actually going on on the trade show floor with a lot of disclaimers, knowing that uh, we would get some updates from the field. And honestly, I think this could be a new strategy for us. We could just release bad news, and then <laughs> it's a really lazy strategy because then all the manufacturers reach out and go, well, actually, and then we can update people. So that's what we're going to do here uh, in a few there cases you go. here. <laughs> Our intro could be news. Hmm. Eh, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Check back we'll next see. week when we have corrections. <laughs> uh, but let's start with some of those. So Brian Birdsong of Team Contronic hit me up and explained that we missed kind of a, well, really the most important factor of the Project One motors from Contronic. And I could see how we missed it because it wasn't necessarily boldly called out in any of the stuff I saw. But all of those motors are in-runner motors. So the outside of the can does uh, not rotate at all. He said he sent you a message. He's like, bro, those are end runners, dude. <laughs> Kinda, well, yeah. You didn't know. Dude, I looked on the website and I didn't see anything that implied they were end runners either, but it makes sense. Now my brain is like the dimmer switch is yeah. coming on. I'm like, oh, sensor. Okay. I know, and, and honestly, the tolerances are so good that that seam between the can and, and the bottom of the motor is usually so yeah. tight anyway, you can't really see it. So uh, right. yeah. So it's an in runner. And now things make a lot more sense, right? So there's likely no issues from the cooling fins, you know, causing a lot of drag because they're inside this, you know, outer area. And it also explains why there's an internal temperature sensor, right? So touching the outside of an in-runner motor isn't necessarily the most reliable way to get a feel for what the temperature is on the inside. So yeah. that internal temperature sensor makes a lot more sense now. So thanks for that, uh, Brian. And then I threw a question right back at Brian. And he was like, that's a good question. Let me, uh, let me work on this for you. Uh, and which is, so knowing that it's an in-runner motor and it's got an internal sensor, it's got cooling fins, it's, it's potentially more efficient. Does that justify it being twice the price? Like, tell me more about this motor. I want to understand the materials it's made from. Like, why is it so expensive? So he's actually working on that. And some other Team Contronic folks will hopefully get us some more information there. I'm not saying it shouldn't yeah. be that price. I'm just curious as to why it's that price. You know, what does it do better than everybody else? So hopefully we'll, we'll have some you know, more info for y'all on that front. And, you know, furthermore, the fact that it's an in-runner in motor seems to, in my mind, bring up other questions. Because in my experience, I'm not in the habit of seeing a lot of other in-runner large helicopter motors. So that's that's a big change in my mind. And maybe that I'm missing something and, and there are a bunch of other brands that are doing it. And, and maybe that's we're going to have another one of those weird brown brain moments here. But. Maybe correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but uh, I mean, is in, in runner seems like a kind of a let's uh, maybe a new thing for helicopters, or am I wrong? I honestly don't know. Um, and I'm trying to think. I mean, like most of the early motors that I used in my sailplane days for electric helicopters were all in runners. They were typically yeah. all geared and ran these huge props for ridiculous climb rates on these big sailplanes. But I don't. It feels like we've shifted to outrunners, and I you know, like airplanes and helicopters. And there's got to be a reason for that. I don't know what it is. Devin, any insight yeah. there? Yeah. If you go back a couple of years to when 
like electrics were making their big debut, a lot of the motors were in runners. I think kind I of off that. the kind of off the airplane style in runners, right? And I don't know the math behind it, if the physics behind it or anything behind it of you know what the main differences are. I have a couple ideas in my head of you know of some couple differences that you'll get between an in runner and an outrunner, but we did have a major shift in the hobby to outrunner can style motors. Yeah. But the airplane side, they have they have not really. If you're look, if you get any any planes like for example, uh, we ha- I have an SAB Tortuga. If you guys remember that, I think it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that has an in runner motor in it. Yeah. Yeah. It has an in runner. So in runner is still a very popular choice in the airplane side, not so much in the heli side. So I would definitely like to, because it's kind of hard to wrap your head around without seeing some information about the differences that they have come up with. So I'd like, I'd definitely like to see some more information on that about differences because. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of differences between those two motors. I mean, do they work similarly? Yes, they do. But again, we run can motors now, which the can has weight to it, right? As it spins yeah. around, so that provides you that gives you that torquey feeling or anything of that yes. nature. So I'd like yeah. to see how the in rudder motor makes up for that. And I do understand that that in runner is still going to have some sort of mass to it. So that you'll still right. get the torquey feeling, but the can just the outrunners kind of are able to help with that. So I'd like, I'd just like to see some uh, explanation behind it and some comparisons, honestly, to yeah, like a to little really understand, yeah, yeah, for sure. So I I vaguely remember back in the day, um, you're like you were talking about some of those early days with end runner motors and stuff like that, and um, I feel like. Um, and I'd have to really wipe a lot of dust off this shelf here, but I, I, I just remember there was a, uh, the, some of the talk had to do with torque, like you had mentioned, and then efficiency as well. And, um, I feel like I'm, I'm on the right track here that the in-runner motor had a little less torque, but it's more efficient and the outrunners have more torque and they're slightly less efficient. But back in the day when the motor technology was not as good as it is now, and more, I think maybe more appropriately speed controller technology, right? You know, back, I think, God, in my early days, the governors weren't really used a ton in electric helicopters yet. That technology didn't work very well. And so it was all curves and trying to keep that, keep that motor spinning at that high speed, right? And we're, we were trying to push, you know, because you got to admit, with a helicopter, there's a considerably larger amount of torque that's happening than from an airplane, you know? So perhaps that's where to a place now where you can fly you know, medium to large size helicopters on an in runner and get those efficiency gains. Um, and the, you still have a sufficient amount of torque. Um, and it's, you know, if these aren't for hard 3d or anything like that, that would also make sense. Right. Because you're doing FAI or F3C or maybe not F3C, but FAI kind of stuff, you know, you're not really loading up that motor very heavily in the maneuvers for a long time or, or hard, you know, like stops or any of that kind of stuff. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I mean, a lot of what we were saying last week about the news on this, with the statement and the information that it is an in-runner, makes a lot more sense to what we were hearing about the motor. It makes sense for the temp sensor, as Nick was saying, because in 
my experience and even going back to year back years back in the hobby in runners did tend under a load to run into some heat issues yeah and so it does all it's kind of all coming together now i think the big difference now is this is um to see would be a comparison between let's say a same kv a same size motor outrunner versus inrunner and what the differences are and what what they're claiming to their differences yeah. and the t- technology that they have put into the motors. Yeah, see the curves and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, Nerdy it's interesting stuff. stuff. I feel like I want to hit up Vincent at Ego Drift, who just is a, a student of motors in general. It's amazing the depth of knowledge of that dude. Uh, and he's just someone in my circle I could go, what's the difference for helicopters? Yeah, what's the score? I'm curious what his thoughts are. So I'll hit him up after we finish recording tonight and see uh, see what he has to say. All right. Yeah, do it. Moving on. Uh, our next, uh, well, not so much a correction as someone offering up some more information. So Bert Kammerer hit me up about the Theta Servo Programmer box. So more good news on that front is, and this is really awesome news, it can also program Theta's THM and THS line of servos from Theta. And nice. he confirmed that it uh, will, in fact, unlock the Kenny Co. line of Theta servos as well for programming. So what does Ooh. all that mean? It means with this wired programmer box, pretty much the entire line of Theta servos is now programmable. So micro servos, mini servos, full-size servos, all of them. They're all programmable. Even if they don't have NFC in them, they're still programmable with the wired programmer box. Dude, that's cool as hell. Awesome, yeah. So major kudos to Theta for that. I know a lot of us on the team had been asking for that for a long time. I didn't realize it would open up programmability to all of the non-NFC servos that weren't programmable with the Android app. Uh, So it's awesome that it adds those as well. Uh, So all you iPhone users that have been waiting to give programmable Thetas a try, you've got no more excuse now. Uh, And Bert confirmed that uh, you can expect to see this programmer available in about a month, and it'll retail for $49.99 at your favorite Theta servo retailer. Yeah, dude. And that's going to be a boon for all the guys that, that bought the Theta servos. They just were like, man, I just can't, I can't get the NFC ones, but I got these other ones. Now they're, now they can get in and program them and do all the things, man. That's pretty sweet. That's awesome. Yeah. And it also means you can touch up your programming, right? So if you have a crash, you change the servo horn uh, with the previous NFC Theta, you had to be able to what's called bump the back of the phone against the back of the servo. And once your servos were mounted in a helicopter, especially if they were close together, that became problematic to bump the right servo. You would have to try over and over again to write the servo. So the fact that you can just unplug the servo lead from the FBL, update the programming, you know, post-crash, post-changing a servo horn, whatever, and then just plug it back into your FBL is awesome. Um, No more removing servos from the helicopter to adjust the center point. Uh, And you do have access, like we said last week, to the full suite of programming uh, parameters. So you can go from uh, 1520 to 760, update, you know, card draw, you know, all of the many, many features uh, available in the Theta programmer. So cool stuff. Yeah, that is pretty cool. All right, Bert, next step, get us a page on the uh, the, the V control. (laughs) Yeah, so you want to be able, we want, (laughs) so Bert, here's what we want now. So get out a pencil. Uh, we want to be able to program the servo <laughs> from our V controls. And also, here's the big one. I'm going to say this to every manufacturer until I get it. Removable servo leads. So we've got yeah. programmable servo. We've got a wired programmer. Now I want a removable servo lead. 
And then once I get that, I'll be happy for at least a week before I ask for something else, I promise. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Speaking of Bert, let's move on over to SAB. Uh, so SAB has released the first flight videos of their new RAW 500. So if you look on the SAB Heli Division Facebook uh, group, you can uh, see some highlights of both CD and VAVA, team pilots of SAB, flying the heck out of the new Goblin RAW 500 at high head speed. Uh, certainly seems to be another very capable helicopter. I gotta say, though, and I'm talking to all brands here, not just SAB. This is for all of them. I wish that released flights of a helicopter, especially the first few, would always be at a variety of high and low head speeds. I want to see the whole flight envelope. I want to see a graphic that displays the head speed for each segment so I know what I'm looking at. I feel like when I see a 500-size helicopter, like I know that if it's at 1,500 RPM or 3,000 RPM, you know... <sighs> It just it gives you an idea of battery performance, like what kind of flight time are we going to get? Um, what kind of head speeds is it going to fly well at? You know, like I want to see these things as I learn more about a helicopter. Like that makes me want to buy it more. Uh, and I'm, I'm getting off the rails here, but I always enjoyed Cal Stacy's videos when he would get a new SAB helicopter because I feel like he would typically drop down to low head speed at some point and then kind of demonstrate some of the low head speed uh abilities of the helicopter as well so kyle if you're listening would love to see a raw 500 video from you as well let's see the whole range of head speeds but certainly looks like an awesome helicopter that performs fantastically in the flights but those guys could make anything look good but again i'm sure it's a great helicopter and silence Did you guys get a chance to see that by any chance what <laughs> <laughs> jesus christ dan come back come back dan we need you <laughs> No, I didn't Ugh. get a chance to see it yet. Yeah, I saw the All video right. of the heli flying. I oh, did, good. I swear. <laughs> I saw it on Facebook. Good job. Good job. Um, I'm keeping up on my reading. Ah. I see it high and low, fast and slow, fast and slow. Anyway, Devin, coming to you. <laughs> I, I saw that the Oxy flash kits are available for pre-order. At least, yes. sort of. So... Let me tell you what little I know, and then you correct me, because that's the pattern we've established now. So, All right, uh, perfect. I'll just scream survey. at you if you're wrong. <laughs> All right, great. So in, in my quick survey, it, survey, 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 seems like some online retailers have a pre-order link available. I, Heli Direct had it live, but there were some other major U.S. retailers that didn't have a pre-order link live, so I don't really understand what's going on. So, Devin, you got any more information on how this pre-order for the OxyFlash is working? Not a lot, to be honest. I do know that the heli was released. Um, you can there's a couple places you can order it from. Heli Direct being one of them. You can actually, I think, a bulk of the orders is being done through Links itself, through Luca itself. It, if I'm correct, so you, to order from Links, it's orders at linksheli.com. You can and you email them to get on the pre-order list, and. Oh, and the next second batch is up. The first batch is already gone. That's all been sold. Um, he's working on the second batch right now. Um, I don't know about A-Main, why they do or don't have one. I'm not sure if they're what's going on there. If they didn't, if they just don't didn't want to get in on the pre-orders or something like that for the helicopter. Not sure, but I do know that there are places in the U.S. that are also doing pre-orders. Besides the factory itself, links. 
Yeah, I just went over to A main. Don't see it live there currently, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Over to our A main T pilot Scott. Oh, sorry. Uh, wait, hey Scott, ahead, can you give us some? Oh wait, sorry. Yeah, you're not here. Yeah. Oh, that's right. He's yeah, doing A main T pilot tonight. Scott, mm? what do you got? Mm. So yeah, um, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mercy car. <laughs> My, I ordered an RC car. <laughs> Turn right, go fast. Oh goodness Jesus! Gracious. My know. God. So, but right. for the Flash, though, at least there's a couple of places you could go and get it pre-ordered. So yes. the next batch, you get one of them suckers, and then you're good. Yeah, the first batch um, actually went really fast. I was surprised how fast the first batch went. Well, I, Did it, I'm it not. Went- well, but, it went in a flash. Yeah, 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 that, yeah, yeah. That was really good, Rob. I'm so surprised. Such a good joke. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, the first batch actually, like, uh, the pre the pre orders came up, and like within a day, they the first batch was was it was accounted for, and there's a second batch being worked on now. I'm not surprised, man. I mean, Oxy has a ton of loyal followers. Uh, Luca is beloved. I think a lot of folks are anxious to support him after the ordeal he went through. So not shocked at all. Plus, they know it's going to be a great helicopter. Yeah, exactly. It is a great helicopter. I love it. Then why do you keep burying it in the dirt? I don't do that, man. Yeah, you got a funny way of showing love for something. That's all I'm saying. Sometimes shit happens. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to lie. That was fun. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Hey, speaking of Scott, who's still not here. Uh, oh, wait, we could skip in, this one. Never mind. We can, no, can no, skip. No, no, I got I to give him the props <laughs> for it because he, he called right. it. Uh, so in a news that is a surprise to absolutely nobody, and yes, Scott did call this, uh, a line has posted a photo of the upcoming TB60-60, which is essentially a 600-sized TB70. He did call that shit. He did, yeah. So it'll run blades from 580 to 620 millimeters. It'll run on 6 to 12 S setups like its bigger brother. It also uses a belt drive for the tail. Uh, No info yet on pricing or availability. Interestingly, it also does not have the white edging around the frames like the TB70 does. And this pisses me off. I feel like it's not as classy. Yeah, like you release a helicopter first in a line of helis that you're going to release down the road. And I don't know, I'm, I'm a theater architecture design type person so to me you create a design language with the first helicopter so certain key features that should go throughout the line and they created a really big feature in the first one and then they didn't do it in the nitro and they didn't do it in the tb60 and makes me mad maybe that helicopter is just special i guess but it's it's half the white stuff around the frame damn it yeah you like the white stuff around the frame i i do Dude, it's like a glazed donut frame. Yeah. <laughs> it's like candy in the air. Yeah. I, I, I can't say that you're not wrong, though. It, um, it's definitely not as eye-appealing without it, is it? Yeah, it's not so tuxedo-like. Yeah, yeah. It just, it looks, I don't know, I, I, I liked it in the TV 70 honestly, as a design feature, so I wish they Yeah, it's had like, it, the, the TV 60 kind of looks like you're going to a super fancy restaurant in sweatpants. Yeah, yeah <laughs> you go from exactly. the tux to the sweatpants. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it looks like. <laughs> oh my God, Dan is gonna fire us all. <laughs> <laughs> it's shot. It's maybe it. Maybe it, with the reflection, it could be shiny sweatpants. 
Hey, I feel like glitter. T- today's episode was like Dan coming back to a house. He went on vacation for like two months and like we trashed the place. <laughs> He's like, oh. yeah, we're the evil kids. <laughs> we're all standing there acting polite and we've got all this garbage right behind the couch. He's like, all right, I'm going to bed. And we're like, exactly. brushing Don't. the brow and we just go back to business. <laughs> Don't lift up the carpet, Dan. There's nothing under there. Nothing to see here. Nothing to see. Nothing, nothing. So that's cool, though, man. Scott is like our little helicopter oracle, our RC helicopter oracle. He can always predict the future. Well, I mean, come on. It wasn't it exactly was stepping obvious. out on a limb. Like, yeah, this is true. This is I true. mean, I guess they could have gone 550 instead of 600, or maybe they still will go 550. Um, they'll do 47 for TB470, and it'll just be yeah. 47. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. They've, I mean, they've sold a ton of that, whatever it is, 470. Yeah, there's a lot of them thing. out there. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Anyway, more from a line. So they got the Nitro now. They got the TB70. They got the TB60. They got that giant 900 size thing. We still haven't heard anything else new about, but uh, new stuff coming from a line. Yay. All right. Enough about a line. Let's put Mikado in the hot seat for a while. So we're going to touch on them for a couple, and then we'll come back to them at the end. Actually, it's kind of a big news week again. Uh, you know, there's a lot going on with with sort of the initial releases at Rotor Live and then lots of follow-ups to that. But uh, Mikado is back in the news with a couple of things this week. So before we get to the, the big, big news from Mikado, uh, Mikado Germany has come to the decision to discontinue the V-Basic receivers due to increasing component costs to create them. So the V-Basic receiver is essentially, it looks just like a Neo, uh, but it uh, doesn't do anything but basically receive the channels and relay the values to the outputs. So it's a, it's a dumb receiver. Um, no self-leveling, no you know helicopter features, nothing. It's just a, a dumb receiver. So Just a regular um, old plain receiver? Yeah. Um, although not necessarily plain because, you know, I don't know. Are there trims available for V-Basic? I guess there must be somewhere. I don't know. I've never used it. I don't them, know. I know but... they are upgradable, though. I'm pretty sure yes, that I have are. heard they're upgradable. So really, it's the same thing as everything else. It's just you have to activate all the additional features. Anyway, wait. So Mikado it Germany, has accelerometers and stuff in the V Basic receiver, but it's just not the I, software. I, I thought it was just a plain six-channel receiver. You know, like a Spectrum six-channel receiver would be. I, that's what I thought those were. I, you know, I wish sh- I should be careful. I'm not talking out my ass, but I'm pretty sure you can upgrade the V Basic. Now it makes me want to Google it right quick, but. I'm pretty sure you can, because I'm pretty sure I've done it. I think you can, too. So you're saying like you take a V-Basic and you myself. upgrade it, and it becomes a helicopter flight controller? You, yeah. Yeah. So it, as in it, it does, like you said, have all those accelerometers and stuff like that, but with software, I guess they're deactivating them in a way. So why would that have any bearing on component costs if it's the same thing as the next thing in their product line that they make, and the software well, is the only difference? So the price difference between a V-Basic receiver currently... And a regular old Neo V-Link running Express is $119 for the V-Basic to $199. Uh, so that's basically an $80 price difference. My guess is the components go up to make that price difference much smaller. Uh, and so they, uh, you know, it just doesn't make sense to, to produce anymore. If you really want to, you can buy a, a regular Neo and then dumb it down. Okay, okay. Yeah, you actually can do that as well, too. Yeah. It kind of sucks, though, because they were kind of nice because they were cheap if you 
flew V-Bar and anything that needed like a daisy, like a daisy chain in a way or another receiver for extended uh, channels, you would just get the V-Basic and boom, there you go. You got more channels. And yeah. now they're making it. So now you need, if you want to do that, you're going to use two, two Neos and you're going to pay that price difference. Well, maybe. So let me continue from here. So Mikado Germany doesn't think there's much demand for this product. Uh, however, Mikado USA seems to think there is some demand. Uh, and while I personally think they should have some kind of cage fight, uh, what Mikado USA has done is chosen a different approach. And they've asked, if you're interested in the V-Basic uh, remaining available, uh, visit their Facebook group called V-Bar Control and comment on the posts they have there. Uh, asking for feedback, saying you think they should continue making them and why, you know, that you would buy X number a year and, and why you, you still want them to be available. Uh, and if Brian Barrow over at Mikado USA can demonstrate that there's enough interest in the U.S. to continue to manufacture them, then he can get uh, Mikado Germany to ship, you know, X number of these things over to the U.S. is the hope. So if you think you'll miss it, definitely reach out to uh, Brian Barrow at Mikado USA. Jump on that post in the V-Bar Control Facebook group. Hmm, and nice. yes, so I did. Uh, while while you guys were chatting, I went and looked over at Makata USA, and it does look like you can upgrade the V Basic to be a full on Neo. So I believe all the hardware is the same; it's just a software limitation. Ah, uh, gotcha. So also uh, in Makata USA news, so they posted another update about the V Control Evo and the Neo Evo FBL, uh, saying that the shipment from Germany should arrive in the United States in around two weeks' time. So essentially around the end of the month. Mikado USA should receive the uh, transmitters and FBLs. And also from Brian, he added to this that Mikado's cost on parts in the V-Control line is about to go up. So essentially, Mikado Germany purchased you know, X number of all of the parts they would require to make uh, the new V-Control Evo. And that supply, after all the pre-orders are filled and after some amount of additional orders are filled, is going to run out when it does and they have to restock on these parts uh the prices of those parts has already gone up so uh mikado usa is just going heads up at some point in 2023 there will be a price increase of unknown amount on the v control evo i know we were all excited they managed to keep it at essentially the same price as the previous version of the transmitter so price increase at some point during the year is coming brian's letting us know just if folks are planning on purchasing one this year Here's a heads up, purchase it earlier in the year rather than later in the year, and you can avoid that price increase. No information yet on when that'll happen or how much it'll be. Dude, that's a nice heads up for sure. Yeah, absolutely. That's a class act right there. And it makes sense, right? If you ordered the parts a year ago to make the things, and now, you know, the way component prices are going right now, uh, it's yeah, not surprising. Yeah. All right, moving away from Mikado for a minute. We now have the results of this past weekend's Dubai Masters uh, event, which was a big 3D helicopter contest amongst some of the top tier pilots in the world. Go head to head in a series of rounds. There was a freestyle round, a music round. I'm not sure what the third round was. It might have been, you know, prescriptive maneuvers. Not sure. But uh, I had a chance to catch some of the flights. You can uh, search around for Dubai Masters 2023 and you'll find some on Facebook and YouTube and whatnot. They were just absolutely on another level man just incredible to watch i, I really thought and, and i don't know Devin. i'm curious to hear your opinion as, as a, a much better pilot uh, and i don't know rob if you had a chance to see these videos but 
it seemed to me the background they were flying against, like all these palm trees and buildings, and there was a lot of stuff in the background. To me, that makes it really hard to fly a helicopter. Like, it's easier for me when the background is kind of a unified color, whether it's all trees or all sky or whatever. But uh, yeah, I, I feel know. like I'd lose orientation in something like that. Yeah, and the speed they are, and the reversals, and just, I mean, I, I don't know how they could see the thing, let alone keep up with it. Like, I tried to watch the flights and just, like, in your brain, try and watch these flights and pay attention to the orientations of the helicopter. Try and identify all the reversals, and you quickly get lost, <laughs> and you're like, how yeah. are they keeping up with this thing, let alone controlling it? Yeah, it's nearly impossible. It's like they drink, like, slow motion Kool-Aid or something right before they fly. I don't know. It's crazy. Yeah, and, and you know, how close they're flying to the ground. I uh, just... I don't know. I mean, it, it felt like every pilot in, you know, the top five, every single one of their flights, there were like eight times where you thought they were going to crash. Like that's how close the tail or the tip of the blades was to the ground. It was it was nuts. So super enjoyable to watch. But let's talk about the winners of Dubai Masters. So in third place, we had uh, Phenom Kenny Ko, uh, who was perhaps the favorite headed into this competition. Uh, now, this tells you, if Kenny goes in third, that tells you just how good the competition was. Yeah, uh, right. In the uh, runner-up spot, we had uh, CD, who did an amazing job. And I'm not going to lie, this is just kind of my favorite. I'm super excited to announce this and and hear about it and just really, really thrilled for him to 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 get here. But in first place, we have the U.S.'s own Nick Maxwell. Uh, so hey, nice. despite some crashes, yeah, Nick went on to win the entire event with some just outstanding performances. Um, I, I'm thrilled for Nick, man. He, you know, I think there's there was a time and I'm putting words in his mouth. I'm just kind of guessing where I think he was starting to wonder, like, can I keep up with these boys anymore? Like, am I am I past the international competition prime of my career and, and on to just being an outstanding team demo pilot, you know, like a, a brand lead? But, you know, he's just he's shown he's he's back at the top of his game, man. And I'm thrilled for him. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That guy's phenomenal pilot. That's cool. Congrats. And honestly, watching some of his flight videos that I don't know, I, I'm, I'm interested in hearing another input. But that felt like the best I've seen Nick fly in the past year. Like he's obviously been practicing his brains out to get to that level. He's always an amazing pilot, but that was just another level of Nick I hadn't seen. It felt like. Yeah, he. It was a great fight. I saw his fight where he crashed. I watched that one. I didn't see the rest. But even the fight where he crashed was was off the walls. Crazy. I've only ever... I've seen Nick fly like that in person one other time. And it, it's always crazy. It's insane, some of the shit he does. Yeah, I mean, it just felt like the whole flight was turned up to 11. It wasn't like moments of the flight. It was just the whole damn thing. His, uh, his yeah. music flight from the competition is available now. Somebody uploaded that video and that was just, that was badass. I really enjoyed that. His timing. Yeah. Is his awesome. music fights are always great. He's, he's probably hands down, if not the best, one of, one of the best music flight pilots that you'll, you'll ever find. It just flows so well. Uh, we reached out to Nick. He's probably on a gajillion hour flight back from Dubai at this point, but, uh, if we can get him on the podcast next week, we'll definitely try. We'd certainly love to hear about uh, uh, how it all went, how Rotor Live competition. So he was second at Rotor Live the weekend before and then first at Dubai Masters. So uh, he's got to be feeling pretty good right now. Yeah, no doubt. You know, they were in Dubai. You know what would have been really cool? 
is if they were able to get some of those pro pilots up on that hotel with the uh, uh, helipad way up high and do it like a 3D flight up there on the pad, dude. That would have been sweet as hell. And mildly terrifying. <laughs> yeah, and mildly. And then do it like the perfect shot would be them, somebody flying on the pad and then like a drone at a distance doing like an orbit around the pad so you could see the heli, you could see the pad, you could see the, the pilot and his buddies standing there on the pad. Yeah, dude. That would be YouTube gold. And then the Red Bull airplane lands on the helipad right afterwards. <laughs> yeah, dude, for sure. And then a bunch of guys jump off and base jump down into the water. Yeah. Did you see that that airplane flight where they took the stole airplane and landed it on that helipad? Yeah, yeah dude. Yep. And then they took off from it. Dude, I, whoa, yeah. those things are so cool. That was insane. That was awesome. All right. It's time for the big, 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 big news of the week. The big news. You the are big one. in Europe. You've already heard this, hopefully. But uh, just in case you're living under a rock, you're not into social media, you've ordered your V-Control Evo, you live in Europe, and you're already flying with it, thinking that you're the bee's knees, and the rest of us are behind. Listen up, European V-Control Evo users. Seriously, this one is actually important, which we can't really say about most of the stuff we say on this podcast, but... Uh, this one is actually a safety concern. So Mikado has noticed a design flaw in the new V-Control Evo transmitter that essentially allows one of the main circuit boards to short out against the back of the speaker. So this causes the transmitter to shut down in flight and reboot. Ooh, uh, this is ooh, bad. That's not good. This is very bad. Uh, it's already caused, uh, I shouldn't say it's officially, but it's probably caused one, perhaps two helicopter crashes that I'm aware of. I don't, it's always hard to pin these issues to an exact cause, but it looks like that's to be the case. So the fix, which either you or Mikado can do, so you can send it into Mikado and they'll do the repair for you free of charge. Now, what I haven't been able to get confirmation on is will they pay the shipping back and forth? I don't know. You'd have to ask Mikado that directly. Uh, you can, however, do the fix yourself, which is kind of fairly simple and kind of not. So the, the fix is to take the transmitter apart, and then there are, I believe, six standoffs that hold the board above this speaker. And you basically just have to unscrew those standoffs, put a tiny little washer under them that shims it up like, I don't know, half a millimeter or something tiny. It's a really small amount. And then put the standoffs back in and then screw the board in. And you literally, you just need to increase the tolerance between these two things by like a millimeter or something. So some tiny amount. Uh, and that's all it is. The problem is, in order to lift up this board up to access the standoffs, you have to disconnect two ribbon cables and then a bunch of other cables as well. So you have to very carefully take photographs where everything's plugged in, maybe mark some of the directions with a Sharpie. The two ribbon cables are a little tricky to disconnect. You know, that's the one thing that might scare me off doing the repair myself. But the good news is, for those of us in the USA, word from Bayern Barrow at Mikado USA, is that the fix will be done in Germany before the radios ever arrive in the United States. So those of us here in the US awaiting our pre-orders don't need to worry about this. It'll, the fix will be done at the factory. But again, European folks, please, please, please make sure you go ahead and uh, fix your transmitters or send them in. And I don't know why, you know, life happens, situations happen, people need money for, for things. But uh, since this announcement was made, again, could be a coincidence, I've seen two V-Control Evos available for sale used out of Europe, which was uh, shocking. They only just got them. So who knows what, yeah. what their reasons are there. But uh, be careful. Please take this seriously. 
you know, your helicopter will be under power and essentially lose connection to the transmitter, which is obviously a very scary situation. So play it safe. Please do go ahead and make sure you get the fix if uh, you're one of our uh, European listeners. Yeah, for sure, man. That's a pretty pretty shocking development. Hopefully uh, yeah. they get on the other ones fixed. People hear it and then get their radio in, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I don't know how they found out about it. I knew it was a very public sort of thread going on where there was a, a gentleman saying like, hey, like my helicopter crashed and I heard my transmitter shut down and looked down and it was off. And I, I think that might have been how they found what happened was, mm. was this gentleman reporting this in and looking at the logs and figuring out what happened. But uh, I'm yeah, not entirely yeah. sure what I'm guessing. But yeah, take that one seriously. All right. With that, that's uh, that's all I got for the news. News over. This week's kind of a an interesting week. We had you know Dan kind of do a nice long check in uh, at the beginning, and again we keep planning on doing this Nitro Part Two episode. Uh, Scott, you know, having a couple of, of uh, issues connecting in tonight, uh, and the fact that uh, we're already running kind of long uh, means that what I think we're going to do is pivot to what we were going to cover next week, which was an interesting email we got from a listener uh, as sort of a mini topic here. So I'm going to jump into this email we received. Uh, from Jason Lubke. Uh, and Jason uh, sent an email to us. You know, I'm just going to kind of skim through it, but uh, just appreciating uh, the work we've been up to here at RCHN, uh, that we've been doing a good job in Dan's absence, which we certainly appreciate there, uh, Jason. So uh, he goes on to say that, quote, speaking of content, I'd like to hear everyone's take on the forums versus Facebook. I, like many, was out of the hobby for a few years until recently coming back with enthusiasm. After doing some simming over the winter, I quickly jumped back into Helifreak to find there was a lot less activity than I was accustomed to in the past. There still seems to be some activity, including some posts I've read by you, uh, meaning me. Uh, however, many posts on Helifreak mention hearing or discussing something from Facebook. Indeed, even on RCHN, most of the discussion seems to originate from there. Uh, I don't like Facebook and don't participate in social media in general despite or because of being a web software engineer for the past 15 years. I'm sure there's good content if you can find it, but from viewing public pages and looking at content secondhand, there's just so much tired cliche memes, false info, and trolling that makes it something I don't want to spend my time on. So that's kind of the highlight there. So I think what we want to do is just take a little bit of time here. Uh, thanks, Jason, for the email. Uh, and, and maybe share some strategies for, for navigating Facebook to avoid some of the junk. And, and just sort of talking about where information in the hobby is at. Yeah, and, and the, it's all valid points that you're making, Jason, by the way. There, there's a lot of fluff on Facebook, and, and it can get really annoying. But, uh, but Rob, it sounds like you've got something to share, so go ahead. A, a little bit, yeah. So, Jason, like, here is my experience with social media and the beast that is Facebook, right? I went through basically the same exact thing as um, our guy here in his email, right? When I came back into the hobby, I was like, okay, cool. I'm here. Let's consume some info about it. You know what I'm saying? And I did the same thing. Went back to the old stomping grounds that I was used to. Uh, but it, the vibe wasn't the same. Uh, it was kind of crickets in a lot of places, you know. Or if anything, it felt like I was walking into closed conversations a lot. You know what I'm saying? But um, so, you know, I previous to getting back into the hobby, I, like, uh, I think lots of people went through this little spate where I allowed 
social media to kind of really consume me and I would get really vicious on it and I would engage people, you know, the trolls as it were, you know, and it just, I would leave like these sessions where you would dive into social media for a couple of hours and come out feeling bitter and like frustrated about something. You can't focus on just regular life. And I had to put it all down and I just stopped using it. Um, I would go on Instagram every now and then uh, just because it was a lot tamer and I didn't post a lot at the time. Um, but um, so when I got back in related to helicopters, I was like, you know, I started to realize that um, the place to be was on Facebook, really. You know, everywhere I looked, that was the place where you could get info. And as I, you know, Dan got a hold of me and I got back into the show, I'm like, well, okay. I got to interact with this on some level, right? So for me, what I did was I just made a, a separate Facebook account um, or a separate profile because I had an old account from back when I used it all the time. But I, used, I made a separate one that's just an RC-related one, and I make a point to only friend uh, people that are making relevant posts of stuff that I'm interested in. And that friend group is a lot smaller than the other one it used to be. There isn't. You know, the only things that I like or join are helicopter groups on that profile. So I don't run into a lot of other unusual rhetoric. You know, you can change your filter settings and stuff like that so that you don't see a lot of that outside stuff. And so far for me, that's working. I'm kind of winging it. I don't have like a strategy necessarily, but I basically just flip over to that account. Um, and when I want to do helicopter related stuff, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I hope that helps. It, it's kind of a shame because, you know, like, Back in the day, Helifreak was like the Library of Congress of helicopters. You know what I'm saying? That's just, you'd go there to find anything about anything, really, and then you could branch out from there. But these days, you can find a lot of the same stuff right right on Facebook. And, and you know, if you're willing to, to not want to have to use it, but treat it like a tool, treat it like installing, you know, remember back when everybody used Tapatalk for all the forums, you're just installing an app so that you can interact with other like-minded people. And if you keep it to just that on that profile, it should be gold. You know, it shouldn't be a lot of other stuff infecting that feed. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. That's my brain dump on that part. I begrudgingly uh, ended up having to focus on using Facebook as the, that's kind of the core of my helicopter media, Facebook and YouTube. You know what I'm saying? So I don't know. That's yeah. Me. I couldn't really, you're not far off of that, Rob, though, because I did do, I did Facebook just to get into public and get to know people. I mean, everyone that we fly with in this hobby, we all call friends, right? So right. I kind of took a little bit of a different aspect of it. And my Facebook account that I have, it has my name, all my information on it and everything like that. I only follow and and am friends with people that i know are in the hobby and if it whether it's overseas whether it's here in america in the hobby i keep it strictly to hobby i don't really the post their personal posts don't really bother me too much because again they're my friends so i consider them friends so knowing what's going on if everything's good where they're going to be around if they're coming to america if they're from overseas or if they're coming to one of my fun flies that are close to me it's good to know but that's kind of what i strictly keep facebook as i only do hobby related things on facebook i don't follow anyone i i'm in school with i don't follow anyone from high school i don't follow any family members 
it's just hobby related to kind of help keep that mainstream of information out of getting just hobby related because as you drift away from that and you you know you start a facebook page and you're like oh it's hobby only and then there's fr- old friends that pop up and you start following them you start getting a lot of mismatched stuff on facebook and something will pop up in your feed and it's completely random and you're like what is yeah. this yep so i do purely hobby no i don't no one that i know personally in life that's my age i follow on facebook here that lives around me in jersey that i went to school with or anything like that it's purely just people in the hobby so i kind of go a step further than you guys do so we're all on the same path which is basically we very carefully shape our hobby facebook experiences so i've gone as far i actually have four separate facebook accounts you know personal professional (laughs) and then two hobby related accounts um one that runs kind of similar to to Devin and uh, and Rob, and then one that is purely for me to find news for RCHN. So a lot of manufacturers make announcements. Uh, so I have an account that I use, and this is my suggestion to you. If you're not interested on the sort of more social aspect of social media, uh, Jason or others, and you really just want to drill into information, and you're interested in hearing what new products are coming out, then create an account and just follow manufacturers. So any helicopter manufacturer you're interested in, you know, whether it's XL Power, SAB, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, motor manufacturers, parts manufacturers, you know, what chargers, whatever you're interested in, follow all of those Facebook accounts. Uh, avoid any personal Facebook accounts. If you get Facebook requests from those people, if you want to, you can accept them and then instantly unfollow them. That means it's not going to put their information in your feed, so you just won't see it. And then there are two, uh, maybe three um maybe actually there's probably about four helicopter groups on facebook that i would recommend now some of these have a certain amount of memes and shenanigans in them but i think the value they bring is worth putting up with some of the shenanigans so the the facebook groups that i would recommend to follow if you're interested in keeping up in the hobby is the rc heli hangout that is uh, one of the largest groups of helicopter pilots uh, on facebook and for whatever reason facebook seems to be the social media platform everybody's landed on There's a few folks on Instagram. There's almost nobody on Twitter. You know, there's a few folks doing stuff on TikTok, but really Facebook is is where the majority of the hobby is right now. Love it or hate it is just the reality um, that we're in. So follow the RC Heli Hangout. I would follow the Heli Direct Heli Addiction group uh, for more good content there. Uh, There is a spam-free group, meaning no advertising from manufacturers allowed, called RC Helicopters. Uh, That's a good one. And then the Buy, Sell, Trade RC helicopters, if you're interested in uh, buying and selling used helicopters, uh, is a good one. And honestly, you could create an account that literally just has those in their feed, and you would catch most of the hobby-related news there is. Uh, Manufacturers pop into those groups and share content there all the time, certainly new helicopter releases, or just follow the brand of helicopters you enjoy and catch those. You know, don't feel the need to use social media for its intended purpose. Like, if you're not interested in engaging with other people necessarily, like regular folks outside of the hobby, then don't, right? Just shape those accounts to only look at things that are there. And, you know, you can get around some of the ads and and suggestions, hide stuff you don't like, and really kind of tailor your social media experience. Um, I don't follow any personal accounts in any of my hobby stuff because I just, I don't want to see shenanigans. I'm not interested in politics. Like the hobby is my happy place. And I, I make sure I keep it that way. 
So anytime I'm in the hobby side of Facebook, I don't want to see anything but helicopters. And if I do, I unfollow it and I get rid of it and I pull it out of my feeds. I think that that balance is, is, is really important. So, so that's how I would tailor Facebook. And honestly, I think that that currently is, is where everybody's at. But, uh, you know, in terms of Heli Freak, it is certainly still popular. Uh, I do check in. There's, a, there's an RC Heli News thread in the main group where people host uh, post updates on new information they learned about. And every now and then somebody finds something I miss. So I always appreciate that. Uh, so you can get a little bit of news out of Heli Freak as well. But you're right. It is slower. There's a lot less traffic there. Uh, the, the one advantage, though, that HeliFreak does have and why I think it's an important resource um, for the time being is that HeliFreak's search engine works way better than Facebook's, right? The problem with Facebook groups is it's really hard to say tail vibration problems, right? You can't search for that and really get a good results list on the Hangout or any other Facebook group. But if you go to HeliFreak and search for tail vibration problems, problems you're going to find a lot of you know relevant threads uh, with some really great information from a lot of contributors that have been there in the past. The good news is is a lot of this stuff in the hobby hasn't changed. So you know how to troubleshoot vibrations is still essentially the same now as it was then. You know and there's some minor changes along the way, but so a lot of that great information on HeliFreak that's easily searchable is still there. Uh, it is unfortunate that Facebook can't seem to get a decent search engine together. And, and I think that's intentional on their part, honestly. I don't think they want us to... I don't think that's yeah. their intention for what the platform is for. And I don't, I don't want to go down a, a crazy path there, but uh, <laughs> right. it is an unfortunate reality. Uh, and, and then as, as Rob and uh, I think Devin might have also said, uh, YouTube is another great resource, honestly. There's a lot of good content creators releasing regular reviews of new helicopters. Uh, again, on YouTube, you can follow all of the major manufacturers you could consider following, you know, uh, individual guys who love to review and build helicopters like Jeff West, um, you know, the HeliDirect YouTube channel, BK Hobbies, uh, A-Main, like all of these major retailers, all of the major manufacturers, you know, follow all those accounts on YouTube. And then you can, you know, learn a lot and see a lot of interesting content that way as well. So I'm sorry to say there isn't a way to avoid Facebook and stay up to date on the hobby. I think it's it's hard to network in this hobby without using Facebook as well. It's where a lot of the information on fun flies comes from and you know where they are and where the dates are. It's it's you know a lot of the websites that used to host that information are not necessarily up to date anymore. So I don't know. So the question is, I'll throw this to you, uh, Rob and Devin. Can you avoid Facebook and be in the hobby? I mean, sure, you can be a guy who flies, you know, by himself or whatnot and and not talk to anybody, but like can you really enjoy the hobby and connect with the community? without being on Facebook? Um, I tend to find out that I can for not an extended period of time. I can go a, a couple months without looking at Facebook, especially if it's during the flying season. If, if it's during the flying season, I go to, this year I have down 11 events that I'm going to during the summer. You're always somewhere, at least in my case, so information is very easy to get because a lot of these times all the newer products are getting announced around fun flies or they're at fun flies you know like rotor live or global 3d both of those are big big fun flies for announcing new products and even some of the fun flies over here like spring fling or urcha for that matter are big fun flies for announcing new products so if you are going to fun flies 
and we did do an episode on going to fun flies and packing and and stuff like that but if you are going to fun flies you will still be able to figure out information it's just when it comes to the slower time of flying like the dead of winter especially where it gets cold up here where i can see you know 10 degrees i'm not gonna go flying i'm not gonna go to a fun fly in the in the north in 10 degree weather it's not gonna happen facebook is that reassurance of seeing what's going on around any new stuff like that so yeah i can do it for a little bit but it has to be during the flying season yeah well, you know, another way to do it would just be to make sure that you're subscribed to the RCHN V3 podcast because we basically cover all the stuff that's hot and worth talking about at the moment, and you could still consume it that way as well. This is true. I do want to add one thing, though, and, and here's where Facebook definitely has the advantage. Because more people are on Facebook on a regular basis, if you are stuck and you have a problem and you want to say, hey, I'm working on a raw 700, and I can't for the life of me figure out the order of the bearings on page 17 in the head or whatever. Facebook, you're going to get an answer in often five minutes, sometimes an hour. Uh, but you know, when you post specific questions, people who own these brands of helicopters are more than happy to reach out and help you with answers. And I feel like that's somewhere that the forums are just not performing well at at this point. It's sort of post on Helifreak and then wait a day or two to get a response versus five minutes to an hour uh, where you can post, go get yeah. a coffee, come back and have an answer and then finish your fix. So, you know, that's another thing you're missing out on if you're not where the community is, is you're just not getting that. And, and you know, Devin's approach is certainly valid if you're deep in the fun fly season or you fly with a big group of people at your club, you know, you can just, get all that information from those people and those conversations around the heli table of like, Hey man, did you hear about the new, you know, raw 500 coming out and whatever. Uh, but if you're not flying with a club, you're flying in your backyard or a local field, then, you know, you miss out on all of that networking, in which case Facebook um, becomes not necessarily a necessity, right? You can do anything without Facebook. Uh, but to me, does it make the hobby better? Does it connect me to the community? Have I met a lot of great individuals from all over the place? Absolutely. I feel way more connected to the community through social media than I would otherwise. But I'm also the kind of person that enjoys social media. Uh, so maybe I'm a little different. You know, Dan or, or some others might have some different thoughts. I don't know. Yeah, I still, even after having a conversation and everything and even maybe on the occasion not looking at facebook that much i still think facebook has an extreme benefit in the hobby so especially for the fact of you know looking like you said nick at companies and manufacturers that's the the really big thing especially because a lot of these times the people that are on the accounts for facebook in the manufacturer will respond to a text if you send them a text. You can get responses from the manufacturer directly on Facebook. They Most of the time, they do answer you. And yeah, they're nice sure. and pleasant to talk to. Yeah. If you can't get a, uh, an answer from a person, which if you don't, I would be surprised. And Facebook does play a very big role in everything, and especially in the case of you know, further down the road, if you become a sponsored pilot, you get a lot of information through sponsors on Facebook. It 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 just does play a very big role in, in the end of it. And I, Facebook seems to be an important place in the helis. 
No, 100%. Yeah, all the, the team chats all seem to be located in Facebook for the most part. And just a lot of group chats, whether it's, you know, a, a, a local regional group chat or whatnot. You know, there's some great, great ones of those. And Devin, that's huge that you just pointed out. Reaching out to manufacturers, that's huge. The fact that you can hit up, you know, some of these manufacturers, motor manufacturers, ESC manufacturers, whatever, and ask a question and get an answer directly from the manufacturer. And yes, sometimes they're going to say, all right, you know what? You really need to pull a support ticket. Here's a link to our website. Like, I need you to fill it out the official way. Uh, but half the time, they'll, you know, if they can fix it without having to go through that route, they're just going to chat with you on Facebook and, and get you taken care of. All right. So uh, kind of a, a short topic this week, unless anyone has anything else to add about uh, the ills of social media and getting that. I mean, sure, we could we could go on on rants about drama in the hobby and negativity online and memes and, and all the stuff to avoid. But I, I think honestly that with some common sense, you can very quickly pick that out. Even if you just read the stuff for a month or two and sort of get a feel for the ebb and flow of these groups, you can very quickly figure out what to ignore and what to pay attention to. So we're not, we're not going to harp on the negativity there. Uh, just know that there's enough positivity there that I think it's worth it. Yeah, I yeah, couldn't agree more. Yep, it's in there. It's just hiding under the algorithms trying to distract you. Plus, you miss all our goofy RCHN posts when we should be editing, and instead we're posting. <laughs> ah, Nick. <laughs> Y'all are welcome to post, too. I know. All right. With that, I think uh, we're going to wrap things up, man. I'm, I'm super stoked that Dan came on and was able to chat with us uh, today. Uh, I look forward to, to more of that in the future uh, at the pace Dan is able to. You know, I'm sure he'll be joining us for, for more and more as we, as we go on. Uh, with that, uh, you know, thanks as always to all of you genuinely for listening. I feel like I got a lot of, I don't know what was in the air this week, but a lot of nice messages from folks about uh, the work we're doing over here. We certainly graciously appreciate feedback in general uh, and positive feedback, of course, means the world to us. So, so thanks for all of that. Um, yeah. It truly does mean a lot. And uh, I think with that, we're going to wrap things up. So if you want to hit up Dan, like he said earlier, you know, he's slowly working through the messages and getting there. Uh, so have some patience, uh, but you can hit him at dan at rchnv3.com. You can find me at nickwisdom at rchnv3.com or on Facebook at nickwisdomrc. Uh, Scott is on Facebook at Scott Graham or at scott at rchnv3.com. He's certainly not happy that he was not able to uh, connect to us this week. We'll get to the bottom of that and get Scott back on in short order. That's certainly very important to all of us. Scott, we truly missed you this week. Uh, and Devin, if somebody wanted to get a hold of you, how would they do that? So you can uh, message me on Facebook, Devin McClellan, or you can do the email thingy with the typey and the computer thingy or the phone thingy and the huge buttons that the some people tappies. use. Yeah, you know, like my mom and dad use the huge letters and they put their phone five <laughs> feet away from their face to see it. <laughs> Stuff like that. <laughs> Um, at devin at rchnv3.com alright this has been episode 31 of the prodigal son returns and lastly <laughs> Rob take us out with how folks should get a hold of you well then this is the way that it should be done this week um, since Scott wasn't able to be here because he was having internet troubles uh, and I want him to feel included I thought maybe you could proxy bounce your question off of him in the form of a little bit of internet aid. So what I want you to do is go get a burner phone and set up a hotspot on it and 
um, make the Wi-Fi password for that hotspot um, your question that you want to ask me. And then just write that on a post-it note and stick it on there. And then go put it on his porch and then just buzz and run his house. And then when he opens the door, you won't be there, but he'll see this mysterious phone with the Wi-Fi hotspot password. And, you know, he'll muddle through the 185 characters in your question to get that into his password. But once he's online, he'll be grateful and he will um, let me know what your question was and I'll let you know what my response is. But um, if you... Um, don't know how to buy a burner phone without feeling like you're doing something illegal um, or you don't understand how to turn the Wi-Fi hotspot on or um, you think his ring doorbell might catch you buzzing running, uh, you could just email me directly at rob at rchnv3.com. Uh, you could go uh, to my Facebook, NextGenRCFB, Instagram at NextGenRC, or YouTube.com slash NextGenRC. That was an interesting one. Yeah, maybe you're just helping a fellow out, trying to get back on the net. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you forgot the part where Scott gets lazy and only writes in half the characters and then gives up. And <laughs> just gets frustrated and throws the phone in the garbage. Yeah, mad. Damn it. he can't tell the difference between zero and capital O. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just don't, don't use any symbols on the top row, just in case. Rob, somebody said what it... That's as far as I got. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's all it is. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening, y'all. We'll talk to you all soon. And hopefully, maybe for reals this time, Nitro Part 2 will be next week. But I've been saying that for two weeks in a row, and it's been a lie. So maybe it still is. It's all lies. It's all cover. Lies, lies, lies. Lies. That just is to make for the best Nitro episode that RCHN will do. It will be done. It will be done. Yes. Soon. Soon. Very soon. Like Steve Shaw says, soon. Real soon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When you ask him if he's going to build a helicopter, soon. Soon. Real soon. Soon. All right, y'all. We'll see you.